Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm Mischievous Marchinacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but Dan, unlike what you said on that teaser trailer episode, the annuals don't count. (laughs) I I said that they counted, didn't I? I I don't even know what you said anymore. (laughs) It must have been my variant. Well, anyways, welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. In this case, thanks for joining us for this review episode of the Amazing Spider Talk. Today on the show, Dan and I are going to be discussing both Sinister War number three and Amazing Spider-Man volume five number 72. But first, buckle up, because we're going to talk about the Sinister War number three. This issue was written by Nick Spencer and Ed Brisson, with pencils by Mark Bagley, Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos. Inks by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, Andy Owens, Carlos Gomez, <laughs> Carlos Gomez, and Zay Carlos. Colors by Brian Reber and Andrew Crossley. And letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. And a cover by Brian Hinch and Paul Mounts. That's 13 people on one issue. No wonder why it cost $4.99. It certainly wasn't because of the depth of the story, Dan. <laughs> but, but creators got to get paid, I guess. <laughs> the issue was released on August 18th, 2021. Dan, why don't we just get right into it? Because I think that uh, this is kind of the appetizer for Amazing Spider-Man number 72 in this episode. So let's let's get let's get into Sinister War three here. Yeah, you know, my my mother always told me never to judge a book by its cover. But I think in this case, that is really, truly the kind thing to do, which is I think these covers by Brian Hitch have been really awesome. Like, I love seeing his interpretation of the character, even his like spider toes, you know, like Spider-Man has these like bulbous toes on these covers, which I find humorous. Like he doesn't have any padding on the bottom of his foot. Sure, why not? Uh, you you know we're starting off well when I'm talking about the padding of the toes on the cover of the issue. Spider toe is a highlight for sure. I, I mean, in general, I think you know both the cover and the interior art on these books is 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 a strong suit. You know, I mean, Mark Bagley's interior art here. I, I mean, it's not like this is like peak Bagley here, but I mean, like these, these there's a lot of action and characters in these books and i feel like they all look 
really exciting and well, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's my, that's my, um, very kind of general praise <laughs> to get it out of the way. <laughs> well, all we had to do was wait a week to get peak Bagley, because I don't know if you read Spider-Man life story annual, but that's some of the best Bagley artwork I've ever seen in my entire life. And I am a guy that loves Mark Bagley, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This, this is a handsome looking book, even if it is 13 different people. I mean, I think for the most part, the transition between the various different artists is fairly smooth, you know, like, uh, I, there's stuff that's clearly not Mark Bagley, but I think it's in enough of a range of Mark Bagley that like the book remains smooth, despite the number of people behind the, the action, so to speak. In terms of the story, Dan, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, like you said, I, I'm with you with, with, the love, the general love for Mark Bagley. But in terms of the story here, I mean, you know, we were not huge fans of Sinister War number two. I don't know if it, if I would say it got worse from here, but it certainly didn't get better. And, you know, it just just in general, like this entire miniseries or offshoot or whatever you want to call it, it just it just feels so incredibly shallow, for lack of a better word. I just like like what what is the point of this miniseries outside of just collecting four ninety nine an issue from people because I don't think you know when you when you read this in concert with Amazing Spider Man it doesn't add anything like I don't feel like there are any state like I I don't feel like anything is happening here that's so important that you know like oh my God how did I how, how do I not read this issue first or or, or 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 read this issue at all even like this it just it just feels like utter filler much in the vein of like the maximum clonage offshoots of the nineties. Like it's just, it's just a lot of stuff going on and a lot of characters, but none of it really matters. And that's just really disappointing. Uh, I mean, am I, am I being too harsh here, Dan, or, 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 or what? I, I don't know. I mean, I think I found a few more things to like about this issue in terms of character stuff than I did the previous issue. For me, I don't really understand. I mean, I think we talked about this last time. I don't understand the stakes of these issues, which is like, they're all out to kill Spider-Man for Kindred, but Kindred has killed Spider-Man a dozen times already. So I don't really understand like why we need to go through all of this stuff. And I think it's meant to be like, we're getting some kind of visual thrill out of this, but I, yeah, I don't know. It, it It's not really offering me anything, anything new. And it, honestly, I think it's taking away from the narrative of this final story because I feel all over the place. I mean, maybe I'm supposed to read just sinister war straight through or whatever it is, but um, I'm like constantly every one of these new issues, whether it's amazing Spider-Man or sinister war, I'm like thinking about to myself, like, okay, like what, like where were we again? You know, like what's going on with Peter? Is he getting like in this one, he's like all bandaged up and I had to remind myself, Oh wait, yeah, that's because he got stabbed through the middle by a Kravenoff and now none of those characters are around him anymore. He just escaped with a mortal wound. The whole thing is very baffling to me. So like, I actually think the format is really like distracting me from like keeping up with any kind of like narrative elements of all of this. But yeah, I mean for four ninety nine, you're not getting a lot out of this issue. The other thing I'd like to add about this is like who, who, which character, hero or villain is truly getting elevated by this story because i don't think there's anyone like i i mean kindred has become so tired at this point i mean the guy is just 
sitting there in the background monologuing about sins over and over again. Like the guy, the guy, you know, supposedly has all this demonic power and as you noted, like doesn't choose to use it. He instead he's hiring henchmen to do it. And it, 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 so so he's been sidelined. He has no agency. Spider-Man is just kind of getting, like you said, stabbed in the middle and then showing up again and getting punched by other guys. I mean, we have, you know, this this storyline features the return of of Doc Ock in like his original villainous form here. And I don't feel like they've done much with him to advance like his story and considering what he was for the last six or seven years prior to this. You know, you can maybe make a point like, you know, we're, we're seeing like some interesting character like subtle character moments from boomerang but like not not to be dismissive but like we get it nick spencer likes writing boomerang you know so like he can give him a moment and it doesn't feel out of place but like i again i don't know if these are elevating the characters in any kind of meaningful way it's just kind of passing moments and then and then the, the, the top it all off this this comic reintroduces the sin eater again and you're just like enough with this guy already like like who cares like what is he doing here like well like what is the threat level here like i i i don't get how this is now the boss battle like it, it this this whole thing is just a mess of like cramming a bunch of stuff in but it doesn't really go anywhere and i don't feel like anyone is coming away from the story in a more meaningful spot than when they came in i mean that's i think that's my biggest problem that's why i think it's so shallow i mean like a, a, a moment here and there is one thing but like you know, as a whole, like, I'm not walking away from the story being like, oh, man, you know, the next time Spider-Man has to fight Doc Ock or Craven or whatever, it's going to be interesting because of what happened here. It's just it's just stuff. It's just stuff that's happening that doesn't go anywhere. I 100 percent agree. It's funny because the thing that we latched onto when Spencer's run started in issue one was just how wonderful the stakes were that they were finally being applied to Spider-Man after all this time, all of our moaning about volume three of amazing Spider-Man, you know, that finally someone was going to make Peter face all of his decisions, you know, in that way. But like kindred appearing at the end of that issue was a really exciting promise of like a villain that was going to take it to Peter Parker, but really like as much as he's doing, he has still has yet to do really much of anything of consequence that I can grab onto, but he's the ultimate stakes reducer. I don't know what his powers are. I don't know the limitations of his power set. And so when he brings back the sin eater, it's like, of course, you know, like that character had like, you may not have loved it, but he had an ending. There was an ending to that story that was interesting. You know, I actually thought it was one of the more kind of like interesting character deaths in this suddenly, like, uh, I mean, it's like a, just an eye roll of a moment uh, occurring in this. And you're right. And Kindred too, the monologuing. Uh, I wanted to shout out our, our friend available, Alan Churstall, who tweeted about this and, and put it the best way I could imagine. He said, it's like Kindred was bitten by radioactive monologue. <laughs> and that is, that is perfect. All he does is <laughs> just know? talk. Kindred's got a cool look, but he doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's just like, do something, man. Like, what is this? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> he he can't even commit to that look either. I mean, I dare you to tell me what color Kindred's uh, jacket is. <laughs> 
agree 100% about the Sin Eater. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's just an eye roll moment. I, I, I don't I don't get what we're supposed to walk away from here with the Sin Eater being back. Like, it's very frustrating. It's frustrating to talk about something like this, Dan, because, like, I don't I don't have a lot to add. I'm not trying to be glib. I, I, I'm not trying to be glib about it. I mean, like, OK, we, we there's there's a moment between Spider-Man and Doc Ock where, you know, he, he kind of, Spider-Man tells Doc Ock, you're 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 not like this. And, you know, I guess that alludes to the history of the characters. But again, like, I don't feel like that moment's really paid off in any kind of meaningful way. It's just kind of a thrown away moment. Well, we're going to get into this when we talk about the amazing Spider-Man issue in this episode. But like to me, it, it's an example of how this book has been squandering its pages. You know, if you want that moment to land, I mean, I guess you can rely on the storytelling of other writers, which fair enough. Like that's how sequential books go, you know, but like instead of having Dr. Octopus talking to a centipede in his head, why not establish like a fight between Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man in an earlier story that kind of like resets the stakes there and make can make this moment mean something. A, a lot of this is just kind of hollow relying on other stories or just kind of the time was never spent in the pages of these comics telling you that these things are meaningful are meaningful parts of this world and reinventing Spider-Man with every new creator is, is does get boring and laborious and maybe isn't something we have to do. But you can't just like pluck parts of Spider-Man's history at random out and just expect them to carry all of the weight that they originally did. Cameos are hollow for a reason, oftentimes, you know, or Easter eggs or whatever. Like, I thought it was a good moment, but not one I had any kind of emotional connection to, especially because the thread of getting from Superior Spider-Man to the current Ock is buried in B-titles that like people probably gave up on, you know, halfway through their run. Like how many people truly read the superior Spider-Man Christos Gage series all the way to the end? It's a good series. Maybe 5% of this audience. Yeah. that I mean, that's, that's the thing too. I mean, like, you know, we, we had a major moment for a character that, like you said, like very few people experienced the first time. And, you know, those who are, you know, the majority of people who are probably experiencing this character now are probably like, wait, what's going on? He's not Peter anymore or, or whatever. It, the, the, the kind of like master race Peter <laughs> that, that Dan Slott may own. <laughs> like, say what you will about Dan Slott's superior Spider-Man. But like, that was a very significant moment in the history of Spider-Man that, and you know, and again, you could say, did it go past its expiration date i mean it's possible but like it went on for you know even beyond the superior spider-man title like i mean like that whole status quo lasted for years and it was a significant thing so like to have otto back in this form and to kind of just be so lazy about it is just and so uninteresting about it like it's just disappointing i i, I think that's the word i keep coming back to and, you know, we'll get into it even more when we start talking about Amazing Spider-Man. It's just it's just disappointing that that, like you said, these opportunities just feel wasted. Like like there, there's potential here for some really potent storytelling. And I feel like at every turn, 
Spencer and the other creative creators who have input here are just choosing not to do it. And it just seems wasteful to me. Like why, 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 then why are we, why should we be invested as readers if you can't invest in trying to tell the most compelling story possible? And if you think this is compelling, then, you know, then we have very different definitions of what compelling is. So I'm just to round it out. I mean, I have to mention it that the seven years return as eye rolling as that is, like also answers kind of one of our long standing questions about like what happened with the lethal legion souls were they returned and i guess for plot reasons they weren't but now they suddenly are and so we've got the return of the lethal legion plus the juggernaut who i guess all this time had not had something he's in his new juggernaut costume from that Fabian Nicieza miniseries which was quite good actually i, I recommend people check it out and acknowledges nothing can stop the juggernaut. Yeah, they are now the Sinful Six. I don't know if they have a committee meeting to come up with these names. <laughs> they are the Sinful Six. And now there are six Sinister Sixes. So we got 36 villains now because that's what this story needed. You know, you, you, I mean, at least it's a cleaner number, right? If you're going to do a bunch of Sinister Sixes, you might as well do six of them. <laughs> six and six and... Throw another six in there. It's the, it's the sign of the devil, right, Dan? I mean, maybe that's where this is oh, all going. Oh God, don't don't tell me that because that seems we're, that's gonna we're gonna <laughs> that's where this is gonna go. If this whole thing is a setup for a pun, I'm gonna lose my mind. There you go. Um, there you go. I mean, all the, right, the, Mark. The, so do you have a grade? I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say. Speaking of numbers, let's get to the grade. Right. I'm, I'm, letters, I'm, so. I'm giving it a, a D minus, Dan. I mean, like I, 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 I almost said F, but like I don't know. Like it to me, like a failure. The, the the art's good, so we can't give it an F. But it's the story is is really not good, Dan. Like this is this is this feels like a low point in Spider-Man history right now. But so D minus for me. Yeah, it's a D minus for me too. I, it's not an outright failure. I've read way worse Spider-Man comics. This is just something that I'm going to forget, you know, come tomorrow. I'm amazed. I I remembered it as far as this review, Mark, but that's my thing. I got to know these books. I mean, to be full disclosure here, I actually read ASM before I read Sinister War for, for reasons I won't really get into here, but... And I don't feel like I missed out on anything in reading it out of sequence there. So there you go. <laughs> I felt like I missed things reading ASM, but for an entirely different reason. But well, there you go. In the meantime, Mark, uh, let's let's talk about our Slack. Yeah, hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join. And you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting, conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, and I hang out at the Slack all the time. Just this week, we've been discussing the No Way Home trailer. So if you want to join this awesome Spider-Man community, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. And once you're there, let us know what you thought of uh, this new episode that we've been talking about here. All right, Mark, let's get back to the action here. Yeah, so now you and I, we're going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 72. This issue was written by Nick Spencer with art by Federico Sabatini, Zay Carlos, Marcelo Ferreira, and Carlos Gomez. Carlos, colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. 
The cover is Mark Bagley, John Dell, and Brian Reber. This issue was first released on August 25th, 2021. Whoa, boy, Dan. Some stuff happens here. (laughs) Where do we even start on this issue, Mark? You know, I said a few seconds ago, this is a low point in Spider-Man history, and, and you're right. I, that 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 might have been a little bit of hyperbole, but it, in terms of retcons and changing significant portions of Spider-Man history, and what I would say, I mean, let's be blunt here, Dan. I think this is these are retcons for the worse. This this comic might truly be a low moment in Spider-Man history. I'm just thinking on our show. Is this the issue that I'm going to take the most problems with of any issue we've discussed on the show? And like reading through it, it's like it's not offensively written, Uh, you know, and I feel the same way about like the ones that people feel most problematic, like Sins Past and One More Day or even like the introduction of Silk, like reading it page to page. There are competent writers behind stories that do these major retcons that like are just really, I mean, I'm going to say it. I think this is one of the worst retcons in the series history. You can acknowledge like decent writing uh, alongside like just a decision that just, uh, a lot of it comes down to my own personal taste. I think that this decision in the, that's made in this comic is really bad, like to my own personal taste. I also happen to think it's a very poorly written comic in the in the span of this series that or this run, but mostly due to my own personal taste and my own hangups about what I think is acceptable, like you might you know you might have a different opinion if you listen to this and you're like I like this retcon, you're not going to get that opinion from me. I thought this was garbage, <laughs> just garbage, Mark. Yeah, well let let's let's acknowledge and, and just get it out there. What's you know the, what's the retcon here, Dan? That what what, what do you find? So garbagey. <laughs> the retcon, as it appears to be for the moment, which, I mean, Lord knows this could be undone next I- issue, is that Norman Osborn, before we ever met him, you know, not only did Spider-Man make a deal with Mephisto, Norman, in the shadow of Mendelstrom, who was a character earlier in this run, gotta give it credit, was approached by Mephisto in the disguise of a businessman, ultimately revealed to be Mephisto, that in order for him to attain his glory with Osborne Industries and the Goblin Serum, all he wanted was the soul of his firstborn child, Harry Osborne. And so Norman took the deal. He sold Harry's soul to the devil so that he could have success. And so therefore his discovery of the goblin serum, his persona as the goblin, all of that stuff, all the things we've known about Norman. I mean, I guess he had to be a bad father to make that deal. Like maybe the worst father of all time, but the ramifications of that seem to be that Norman and, and all of his problems and all of Harry's problems throughout the years were manipulated by the devil not by the work of just an outright bad father who experimented with chemicals and takes out his abuse on his son, but the devil did it. It was Mephisto all along, you know, string up the tune. We could probably spend an entire hour just talking about 
how this is all problematic. And I don't and, you know, I know we like to gab, but we shouldn't because that's just a lot of time. But like just off the top of my head, like what this retcon means, it's like, you know, and I know a retcon, it, it, it changed. It, I mean, it's retroactive continuity. So like it's supposed to be dramatic changes, but like it completely changes everything that we knew about Norman Osborne and his history and his abusive nature and his like driven business needs. Because, you know, even in the flashbacks you get prior to this deal with Mephisto, you know, he seems to be a loving, doting father taking Harry to Coney Island. And, and so like it just like it just seems completely out of character within the context of this story as a starting point. But like, you know, like among other things that this such a deal changes is is frankly like the idea of what Norman's actions as the goblin and how that and his and his abuse, how that affects Harry, because like I feel like that like. Harry's journey in Spider-Man, especially when you go back to like the J.M. Demetrius run and stuff like that. I mean, like this is like really potent character work, you know, like this is this is some of the probably the best characterization that we've had in Spider-Man in the, in the Spider-Man mythology. And when you just say, no, none of that actually mattered because it was a deal with the devil, like it like it just robs the character of all of the richness hypothet you know in in retroactively I, am i mean am i overreading this here or, or, or are you getting the same kind of interpretation out of this no i mean i think it's akin to how people felt i mean i don't think people have quite the warm feelings towards norman but it's akin to how people feel when they're talking about one more day which is like the character wouldn't do this or like it takes something away from the character right we've got 20 years of spider-man comics where he's married that suddenly have been altered in some way. And this is even farther reaching than that. I mean, this goes back to the introduction of Norman Osborn as a character, you know, which even predates the introduction of MJ as a character, you know, like su suddenly this character we thought we knew has had motives completely different than we thought. And I, I don't know. It just, it changes the character in, in some way and, and maybe in a way that people can ignore, you know, but like, I also, I also think like, Hey, like if this is where going, where we've always long assumed it would go, which is like maybe to like clean up one more day in some way, I really don't think you clean up one more day by adding more Mephisto into people's lives. Like this just complicates it so much further than it needed to be complicated. Yeah. So now, I mean, essentially, and, and look, like I'm not trying to, to justify Peter's deal with Mephisto, but now you're essentially putting Peter and Norman on the same playing field, which is weird. I mean, let's let's also just call us, you know, call, you know, call it as I see it here. I mean, like, you know, waving the magic wand here and being like, ah, this is this all due to a deal with Mephisto. You know, and I know I said this again in Sinister War, but I'm going to say it with, you know, with more more emotion here. It's just so lazy. Like just just insultingly lazy storytelling. Like I, I can't come up with a better idea, so I'm gonna just make it a deal with Mephisto. I mean that's pathetic. I mean that you know like, and and you know I if he's listening, I he probably doesn't listen to us anymore because uh, you know we're we're we've turned on the run. But like, you know like 
I just expected so much more out of Nick Spencer out of this run. And I wasn't even someone that was necessarily sold on him as someone that had the potential to really rise to the occasion in Spider-Man here. But like to me, like this 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 just seals the deal. Like it's just incredibly lazy and shallow and 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 insulting to the audience. Like like this is this is this is what you've been building for for 70 what is, what issue is this? 72, 73? <laughs> like that that to me is just like it's it's just it's it's beyond reproach. It's just so lazy. I I, I don't I, I I'm gonna say that word over and over again because I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know if I want to go so far as to saying the L word uh, for this, but for me, it's it's not even like that because I could see like a writer saying like, hey, if I'm going to deal with Mephisto, like, it, you know, br- bringing him in is appropriate in, in, in some regard. For me, it's just a bad idea. You know, like if this is the kind of idea that it takes to sell Marvel on giving you a run of amazing Spider-Man. And this is the thing you promised all along. Like it gives me serious pause about who is behind green lighting. These are advising these stories. Like this is just not something that we needed. Like there's another way to do it. And like, I cannot, I cannot understand like why this is the way it is. And you know, maybe in the next two issues, it'll get cleaned up in a really interesting way, but it just wasn't needed outright. Like, you're you're like I think we'd all kind of move past one more day to some regard. I mean, there are certainly people that will never move past one more day. Like, but to double down on it, like it's it's beyond being bold and daring. It's just being dumb. That's the thing. Like, I mean, like <laughs> you you're calling it you're you're calling it a bad story. I'm calling it I'm calling it lazy. I mean, you know, in my in my words, lazy is is almost like. I don't want to say giving them more credit, but it's like, ah, you know what? They just they just ran out of good ideas, so they're being lazy. They're do, they're taking a shortcut. To imply that no, it's not lazy. It's 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 very intentional and well and was thought out and game planned early on. Like to me, is even more damning. <laughs> It's like, it's like, you know, to me, lazy, lazy is the, lazy is like the ticket out. Like, ah, you know what? You just, you just ran out of good ideas. So you, so you made a lazy one, but like, yeah, the the fact is if this was, if this was the pitch in 2018, when this all started, wow. I, I, you know, like you said, who, who actually said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what people want. Or if it's not, if they don't care what people want, who was the one who said, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I think that's what we want to see as editors and and creators on these on this book. I don't know, Dan. Like this is this is this is bad stuff, man. Like like this 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 story has taken a turn I did not expect it to turn turn. And you know, like you said, this could obviously get cleaned up in a couple of issues. Frankly, whether it gets cleaned up or not, I think this idea is not going to last much longer than the duration of this run because I don't know similar to similar to one more day I don't know what creator is going to want to really touch this idea going forward or maybe similar to sin's past maybe that's the storyline that I think is the, the the more appropriate analog here because it's like who really wants to play around with that with this after you know in a, in a year I I can't think of somebody because this is this is just a mess of Ill, of 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 plot twists that lack in logic and that negate so much history 
and meaningful content. You know, that's that's the thing too. It's like you just you just negated how many years worth of stories <laughs> with, with a wave of a hand here. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know if I feel like they're negated, but it's like they're definitely weakened in some way. I think we're, yeah. we're picking nits in, in language here. But yeah, I mean, like to me, negated, negated meaning like it's it, you've taken the teeth away from so many stories, you know, like they, they, like you said, they, they, they've been neutered, essentially, you know, maybe that's the word. Maybe wrong N word. They've been neutered. <laughs> Well, I mean, this is a this is a solid like uh, bridge to what I, the other thing I want to talk about, which is like that I think that the issue itself is just beyond that idea, like the rollout of that idea is handled so poorly. This book requires an incredibly strong knowledge of a very obscure Spider-Man story from 1996 called Spider-Man Legacy of Evil, and I'll tell you, Mark, the only reason I knew about this story other than being a massive dork is that I went on like a Spider-Man like dollar bin binge buying spree because I'm now on this weird quest to buy every Spider-Man book I come across because Lord knows you, I, I can't stop Mark. I, I included the annuals and now that extends everywhere. You know, I got, I've gone crazy. Maybe I've made a deal with Mephisto and I have to just collect forever. So I picked this up like two months ago in a dollar bin legacy of evil and was like, this looks cool. I like, uh, you know, the, the creators behind this. I'll give it a shot. Historically, if you don't know, Legacy of Evil was released like right before the Revelations storyline, which is like the return of Norman Osborn. And the story is kind of like out of continuity. Like this should be in the heart of the clone saga. But Ben Riley's never mentioned in it. And it like really deals a lot with the goblins. So it's kind of like a like a goblin story to get you back in the mood of the goblin you know if i didn't really know much about this look mark we have our own spider-man show you know how many people reading this are going to know about it and uh, upon reading it you know it is really the foundational like functioning heart point of this issue so i'm curious mark what is your history with legacy of evil i am fairly certain that i have a copy of it in my possession somewhere and when i bought it i read it but yeah man like i was not primed on it going into this storyline <laughs> so like you know any 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 references visually or or narratively that it made uh, like went completely over my head like it's 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 been that long since i've looked at this story since i've thought about this story Again, not to not to humble brag. I I wrote a book about Spider Man Dan. <laughs> for the five or six true hardcores that remember the story page for page, and were able to pick out a bunch of stuff uh, and how it ties in here, and it and it helps your appreciation for the story, and maybe that's why we don't appreciate it. Kudos, total kudos. But like you know, similar to, frankly, what we kind of have talked about at several moments of the Spencer run is like you know I feel like. When you start mining such obscure or old content, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking 25 years old story here, you know, an obscure story from 25 years ago, you're just alienating your audience. You're not engaging them in any kind of way. You're just kind of showing off like, hey, I, I, I know my continuity. You know, like, you know, people used to kill Dan Slott for that kind of stuff all the time. And, you know, like, and, 
I'm not about to make this into this podcast into a Dan Slot versus Nick Spencer thing here, but like again, you know, I think people's rush to 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 run Dan Slot out of town because of some of his ideas. I, you know, I I think if Dan Slot did half of the stuff that Spencer's been doing in this run, the reaction would be far harsher than what we've seen in terms of Spencer stuff. I mean, you know, I th- I feel like we're the most negative people about Spencer for whatever reason over the last few months so anyway <laughs> that's all i got to say about that <laughs> i have a couple of problems with this which is one if you're going to make a reference and make it this essential to reading the editor's notes were there actually for the first time you know which pointed this out which thank god you know and, and reminded me of this story you'd think maybe this story would be available somewhere like say marvel unlimited you know like we are heavily referencing like, well, not only this book, but like all of Spectacular, uh, you know, under JMD. And that's not available anywhere on the Marvel Store or Marvel Unlimited. I don't understand why there's not more synergy there. And that is beyond Nick Spencer's control. But it just seems like a really silly thing that Marvel's missing out on that when they have so many backwards looking comics coming out to have the books that they're based off available for people who want to read it. And I can't imagine how hard that would be. Like, beyond sending an email and saying, Hey guys, uh, scan this and, you know, add it to the unlimited, you know, list for the week. So, I mean, that's just a more kind of general philosophy thing. But the second thing is if this story is going to be so key in such a specific way, you know, enough to get people to be the, that have read it to like their brain to wrinkle and be like, Oh yeah, uh, I remember that. That's cool. Like why not like build in some of these elements leading up to it. It just seems like out of nowhere, we're bombarded with this like reference to this book in a key moment in the story. And it's like, I don't know, man, like maybe like guide us here a little, a little bit. Did you feel alienated? Like you were like, I didn't really know what was going on given that you haven't read that story in so long. Yeah. 100%. And then, like you said, there, there, there is not to jump around here, but like, you know, we, we, we get this uh, at one point in this comic, this kind of tableau of of moments of Harry after, you know, Norman sells his soul to Mephisto. There are moments that are, frankly, very recognizable, you know, like Harry at the coffee bean, Harry Odin on drugs in the in the drug code issues, him dying in Spectacular 200. And then all of a sudden there's a panel of the goblin knocking off Gwen Stacy off the bridge and you know, my initial read of that was, oh, why are they showing Norman's goblin in this Harry motif? And you point at, you point out what you point out here, Dan, because this went over my head completely. Okay, well, get ready for the mother of all retcons, potentially. I mean, either it's sloppy narrative storytelling or we're like subtly bringing in like the mother of all retcons, which is okay. So in legacy of evil, you know, this is when Harry is like assumed to be dead, right? Like, but he's actually in Europe or whatever this story seems to be implying. Now, I don't know anything with Harry is up in the air as far as I'm concerned, including what I'm about to discuss. So, you know, at the beginning of this story of legacy evil, Spider-Man and Ben Urick and all them uh, are specifically, I think like Liz Allen is attacked by these characters called the goblinettes, these like three female goblins. And so like, they're wondering, you know, who is back from the grave? Like, is this Norman? Is this Harry? 
And Spider-Man talks about how, you know, he has encountered this computer simulation of Harry, which has been plaguing his life. Like, for example, with the robot parents and stuff like that. Like, there's a while there where, like, Harry and Norman would show up on, like, computer screens and cackle, you know, maniacally. Um, am I missing any major stories that involve that kind of motif? The clone saga, I guess. Yeah, I mean, did you mention Peter's parents? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, yeah, no, I don't think you're. I don't think you're missing anything else there. <laughs> so they have to figure out, like, okay, well, who is who is sending these goblin characters after us? And Ben, you're they're like kind of recounting the history of you know Spider Man, and it's weird because like Ben Urich suggests that it was actually Harry who killed Gwen. And Spider-Man like takes a second and like, 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 did I hear that right? And he like stops Ben and he says like, no, no, it was Norman who killed Gwen, you know? So like, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's how the timeline wor- works out. And they don't really return to it uh, again. And it's a really strange moment uh, that made me think of this as like, wait a minute. Are we suggesting that it was Harry Osborn that killed Gwen that night? So I went back and reread 121 and 122 to see if that's like even a possibility, you know, like I wanted to see, like, do we see Norman? Does he refer to himself as Norman? And no, there's no moment where on the bridge, the character there refers to himself as Norman Osborn. We see Norman going crazy and, and he's like, I'm going to like get Spider-Man and we see Harry losing it too. And we see the goblin show up at Gwen's place. And she's thinking about Harry at that moment when the goblin shows up. And then after the death of Gwen, the goblin flies off. And we then return to like crazy, like we return to like Harry, you know, being crazy. And then eventually like Spider-Man corners the goblin like goes and finds the goblin and kills Norman. So there's these gaps in time. So like, I think there's a real chance here, Mark, that Nick Spencer is ready to suggest that it was Harry Osborne that killed Gwen Stacy. Which, if that be the case, you know, again, kind of going back to what I was saying during Sinister War, what what is that? What does that add to the mythology? I I don't know. Yeah, I I, I mean, okay. Sure, if you want to if you want to go in that direction, I mean, but then why does this matter? You know, you got two issues left, I guess, to prove why it matters. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm half expecting when Kindred is revealing his face at the end there that it's not Harry. It's going to be Gwen or something. It could be anything at this point, Dan. I mean, like, you know, we, we, have, we have been so falsely misdirected by the creators of this story that, you know, like, we're not we're not playing within any kind of rules anymore we're just doing stuff you know like that's 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 the that's the game here the game is we're gonna do stuff because we said so which is frustrating as a reader because you know you want you want rules but you know we're not getting rules (laughs) think back to those absolute carnage issues where we were getting the flashbacks of those scenes and gwen was so prominently featured and it's like i i I don't know i mean like Whatever it is, I think he's had this idea the whole time and we're seeing it come together in a really slap shot way. And it's like, we just have to accept it. Like all this time we were like, okay, maybe the end will justify it. 
what if the end is worse than anything we've encountered yet? I, I don't know. Like, what if the end is worse than one more day? Like, this guy is, like, just, like, looking to be run out of Marvel Comics, which, granted, he just left, but... Yeah, this is yeah, true. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, Frank, and frankly, you know, we have this huge status quo shift coming up in a few months, and we don't exactly know why yet. You know, is Peter dead or badly hurt? Whatever it is. I'm assuming somebody knows, <laughs> which is why we're getting it. <laughs> Beyond all that, too, frankly, you know, whether they're leaning on legacy of evil or not, like, I just also found both the visual and narrative of this comic to be really confusing and and unclear in terms of its structure with, you know, whose face is morphing into whose. It wasn't enjoyable in that regard because... I don't, I don't want to have to be thinking that hard. Like, just tell me who's, just tell me what I need to be looking at here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's comics. It's sequential art. Like, this shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> right. Like, all of that is out of Legacy of Evil, right? The, like, computer simulation of Norman that morphs into Harry. Like, that's from Legacy of Evil. And that whole lab that we see there, Harry has got Normie kind of suspended over this Osborne formula that's in the middle of the room. Here, there's the addition of like two what look like cloning tubes, which makes me like, I'm sure they're going to play into the ending of the story because they're very prominently featured. I don't have any idea what it means. Was Harry cloned? Was Gwen cloned? Was Norman cloned? I don't really care. It's going to work out however it works out. But like on top of that, also, like we're getting a number of promised reveals here, but they're things that have already been revealed. So it almost feels like it's just yanking our chain even further. Like we've got like Harry going into the morgue with Carly Cooper and pulling back the, you know, sheet on the body. Like ostensibly, I guess he's going to find his own body, but we've already seen that. So then the implication there is like that it's not his body. It's someone else's body. I don't really know, but I like either way, it either makes me like it's either boring because we already know that uh, or two, it's going to be some twist that's going to piss me off likely, or we're just robbed of seeing Harry's response to that. And the same with the reveal of Kindred at the end. Like he's like, you know, we, we, he starts talking to himself in this we voice. And the implication there is that it's Kindred is not who we've long thought it to be. Harry Osborn. And We've already gotten him pulling his mask off and revealing it's Harry Osborn. Like, is he have another layer of face? Like, you know, I guess the chameleon is there with whatever serum it is. It's just so much to keep track of. And all of it just makes me feel like I'm being yanked around in a way that's not comfortable. And maybe that's what it takes to throw people off your scent in, in comics where people like us are dissecting them. But then, so whatever, don't do it for us, you know? Uh, do it for someone else because like this is just really weirdly told do you have anything else you want to point out here because I, I I'm, I'm kind of similar to sinister war I'm kind of running out of things to say outside of sigh and disappointment <laughs> no I, I I really don't think so I mean I think it is neat that the clever the, the cover of this issue is a, a callback to amazing spider-man 200 the image of like the green goblin standing over Spider-Man on the ground. That's a really iconic image, I think, from that book. And it's neat to see it referenced here, even if I don't like the story. Anyway, I mean, like, I think the big thing, Mark, is we don't think it's well told. But on top of that, like, we really don't like the idea. And so that, like, if you like the idea, your your 
mileage is probably going to vary from ours greatly. I don't think we're prejudging this, like the the conclusion of this story yet. I mean, like I'm, I'll happily be turned around, but like if this is what it says, it is. I, I, it's totally lost me, Mark. To, to a point you were making a few minutes ago, like, like okay, if you want to try and like outsmart the smarty guys like you and me, that's one thing. But like, like this has just become so convoluted and complicated that I don't know. I'm trying to say this carefully because I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm calling anyone disingenuous about their tastes, but I just I just don't know who this is for at this point. You know what I mean? Like who 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 are who, who is the segment of the fan base that this is supposed to appeal to? Because I just can't figure it out. You know, like it's is it just like people who grew up in 1996 reading Spider-Man comics because I mean I guess there's some out there but other than that I, I just can't figure out who is supposed to be like yeah this is this is hitting my sweet spot here because uh, you know it just seems odd to me you know we're, we're pretty open-minded people about this kind of stuff and like my mind is almost become completely closed to it at, you know after all these reveals so anyway <laughs> and it's not about Spider-Man like Peter is such a non-entity in so many of these stories. I have no connection to that story. So, all right, Mark, let's it's get to the It's not about Spider-Man, and frankly, it's yet again, similar to Sinister War. It's really not about Kindred either. It's now we're talking about, now it's Osborne nonsense. So, like, who is the protagonist of this story? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like if I, you know, like, and give me a mini series with Norman. I don't know. Like, don't. <laughs> I like Kelly Sue's back in the day. <laughs> I don't know how a writer like Nick Spencer, who can write something like Superior Foes, is capable of writing something like this. I just, I, I never imagined it would get to this point. I am loath to go lower than this score for various reasons. So I'm giving this a D minus, although I find this D minus to be more firmly entrenched in the minus than Sinister War 3 was. <laughs> I, I'm Mark. I'm giving it an F. All right. I, I, we I got it. I think, <laughs> think we're going to look back on this comic and be like, what a steaming pile of garbage. Like, let's just ignore that. I think we're going to be talking about this. Like, look, I didn't like the end of Superior Spider-Man. I found that really disappointing. I don't even have my hopes in this anymore. Like, I, I just am like... Sure, like, let's move on so we can forget about it. Like, uh, Norman is run by Mephisto. That's a sentence I'm saying. Norman sold Harry's soul to Mephisto. I can't believe I'm saying that sentence. So we can be better than Mendelstrom. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And uh, and that's where we're at. So, uh, Dan. I tried to explain this to my wife, and she said, you realize when you talk about these things, there's a certain point where I just stop listening. And I'm like, yes, but I want, I want you to know that I would stop listening to this, too. You know, like, that's how crazy it is. I mean, there was that meme going around about, like, a moment in comic book fandom that made people go, the what? And this is definitely that moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I hope some of our listeners like felt some kind of catharsis 
while while listening to this. Yeah, and if you want to if you want to donate to that catharsis, how can they do that, Dan? Right, right. Of course, if you find this show entertaining or valuable, why not check consider supporting us? You can recommend Amazing Spider Talk to a fan to a friend, or if you're able, become a member on the Patreon. We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. We are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcast on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week it comes out instead of waiting for it to arrive in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. This season, we'll be mailing out a print by artist Ron Friends, who has created a lost page of the kid who collects Spider-Man for us, which was inked by Brett Breeding. This image depicts Tim and Spidey sharing laughs over Tim's Spider-Man comic collection. Plus, every episode we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, and you know, like we say every time, we know this is a hard time for everybody, as it is for Mark and myself. So we appreciate anybody that supports the show just by listening and sharing to our community. You know, but if you have the means... Why not join our Patreon and support our continued existence and ravings about insane things like Norman Osborn making a deal with the devil? Just follow the link in the description. And again, a thank you to all the members who already make this show possible. It's so successful. It's the kind of thing someone would sell their child's soul to the devil to get. But we don't have to because of you guys. Wow. Well, then, on that note... It's time, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coase with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. This episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence and these reviews while joining us on the live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? So, Mark, until it is revealed that you sold your undying love of annuals to Mephisto in exchange for some Canadian bacon... What's our motto? It's quite the deal there. With great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next in-